Good morning. Good morning. Uh, today, I want to talk about um, the light of the world. Uh, light is something that we all need, something that we all have, something that is uh, very important to our life. So, light travels in straight lines and reflects off things, which is why our eyes can see, see things in the light and can't see things in the dark. When they, uh, when the light hits a flower, it reflects off it and our eyes pick up the reflective light and our brain does marvellous things that uh, God has set them up to do and we can see, see the flower. I don't understand the whole process but uh, scientists seem to have worked out more or less how it works and uh, all the colours are contained in light. When you shine the light through the prism, you get the colours of the rainbow. And uh, it's, is that happening? It's supposed to. It worked at home. <laughs> it's supposed to have a, a beam of light that goes through the prism and comes out the other side with all the colours. There's nothing we can do to make that happen. Okay. Uh, so, sunlight is necessary for life. There's no sunlight, there's no life. Uh, and there's things that live in the darkness, in the caves, down in the depths of the ocean. And uh, I've got a picture of a couple of different things. <laughs> there's the, the blobfish who lives way down deep in the ocean. And uh, he, he's got no colour because he's... It's just in the dark. It doesn't uh, need colour. And then there's uh, the anglerfish who were featured in uh, Nemo. <laughs> but he wouldn't really have been able to eat Nemo because the anglerfish lives like 2,000 metres down where it's completely dark and Nemo wouldn't have been able to get down that far without and survive. So... Um, but the anglerfish has a little light on the top of his fin to lure prey, which is a, a, a bioluminescent light, which is caused by little bacteria that live inside his, at the top of his fin. And it's, it's absolutely amazing that uh, God has made such amazing creatures, but they still depend on sunlight because a lot of food that they eat falls down from way up above where the sunlight is. The dead, dead things fall down and they uh, eat them. So all of life, even the life that lives in total darkness, is dependent on the sun's energy. And we need the sun for our physical life. And uh, living your life in the darkness can throw your internal body clock out of sync. <laughs> the sleep-wake cycle, known as your circadian rhythm, is set to a natural clock that controls your sleep, your digestion, your body temperature and hormones. And we need sunlight for that to happen and work properly. So God made the sun to give us light for our physical world. And 1 John 1.5 
says God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is light. Not God gives light. Not God has light. He himself is light. And of course we need God's light for our spiritual life. Last week, Lysia talked about the I am statements. I am the good shepherd, she talked about. Uh, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. All statements that Jesus said. Today I want to talk about Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world, which is true in so many ways. Firstly, God doesn't need the sun for his existence. He is light. Revelation 21 says the city in heaven does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And uh, Paul in Timothy, writing to Timothy, says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen and no one can see. Unapproachable light. Now, Paul, uh, we know, was... uh, Blinded by a brilliant light on his way to Damascus, and that was his conversion. But he also had a vision or a visit to heaven. In uh, 2 Corinthians, he tells us, uh, he talks about it in the third person, but he's pretty much established that he's talking about himself. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But God knows. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. So when I think about Paul and what he saw, I think he has some basis for saying that God lives in unapproachable light. He's seen paradise. So all the accounts I've read of people seeing angels or seeing Jesus or going to heaven or having visions of, all talk about brilliant light. Shining light, light too bright to look at. Think about the transfiguration of Jesus. The disciples were treated to a glimpse of his glory shining through his earthly body. Matthew tells us that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. This week I've been reading a a book that uh, Vanessa Chant recommended to me. And uh, it's called Vanya or Vanya, depending on how you pronounce it. But it's about an 18-year-old Russian Christian who was drafted into the Red Army in 1970. And uh, he was determined to share his faith and to tell everybody that Jesus loved them, that there is a God, because of course... The uh, Red Army are very adamant that there is no such thing as God. Everything's just science and uh, natural world. But uh, Vanya was very uh, outspoken with his, uh, not not in a in a loud sort of way, but just confident that when they asked him, there is a God, and God loves you. That was his message. 
But they were trying to make him renounce his faith. The, the colonel was absolutely horrified and determined. And there were interrogations and uh, ongoing harassment. And they made him stand out for hours in the freezing cold night time with his uh, summer uniform on below zero temperatures. And he didn't feel the cold. He didn't get cold. And they couldn't understand it. The soldiers who came out to check on him, made sure that he was there, were cold in five minutes with their big greatcoats on and, and their winter uniforms and their boots and everything. And he was able to stand there. And he said he just stood there and prayed and enjoyed time with the Lord. And they couldn't work it out. They persisted in making him do it for five nights in a row. And it's still... It was just an amazing miracle. They, uh, but they gave up on that and tried some other, <laughs> other things. But they were constantly harassing him and saying, you must, you must admit that there is no God. There is no God. And he would just say, yes, there is a God and he loves you. Whoever it was that were harassing him. But one night, an angel came to visit him and took him up through the roof of the barracks to a beautiful place where he was shown wonderful things and he was allowed to rest and be refreshed. And then the angel said, I wish to show you the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, but if you see it as, as it is, you cannot remain in the body you now have. And there's still much work for you left on earth. There seemed a silence before the angel resumed speaking. We will fly to another place and I will show you the light of this city for you to know while you are yet alive in your earthly body that in cer it, certainly there is a new Jerusalem. In an instant they flew to another place. There were high mountains. Again the glory of the light illuminated every detail of this world. Ivan's gaze rested on diamond streams coursing down the mountain slopes into mists that rose from vividly green valleys. When they had come to a very deep canyon, the angel and Ivan descended until they were at the bottom. The angel seemed a flame of joy, the voice more ceremonious and jubilant than Ivan had yet heard it. Vanya, look upward and you will win. See this light of the new Jerusalem. At first glance, Ivan recoiled in dismay. The brilliance was so intense that even though he had seen it only for a second, he was sure he had been blinded. The angel spoke immediately. Nothing will happen to you. Look. No man rescued from a desert ever drank water more thirstily and Ivan drank in the splendour of that light. So great was its power, it could be felt, tasted, heard. The sight of it was not a sensation of his eyes, but of his whole being. Ivan could have wept with grief and disappointment when the angel said, the time has come to fly back to earth. Secondly, Jesus being the light of the world means the world has no other light than him. If there's going to be a light of the world, it will be Jesus. There's Jesus or darkness. There's no third alternative. 
It means, therefore, that all the world and everyone in it needs Jesus as their light. Jesus is the light of the world. If you follow him now, you will have him as your light in advance of that great day when he comes again. He will reveal all that is beautiful now. He will be the light in which you see God, the light in which you see the history of redemption and the work of salvation. He will be the light in which you see mountains and valleys, oceans and rivers, trees and animals and people. Nothing will be the same again when you have him as your light. Everything looks different in the light of Christ. Yes, even earthquakes and tsunamis and suffering and death. Until his light fills the earth as the waters cover the sea, until it banishes sin and sickness and pain and darkness forever, it will be a soft glow to comfort you in your lonely room after devastating loss. It will be a lamp on your troubled path. It will reveal the wise and loving face of God behind every difficulty. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When you're a Christian, you see things in his light. It makes a huge difference to how we see the world and our lives in this world. Thirdly, the light of Jesus shows up sin. We aren't very keen on it, but he will reveal our sins, which is really a precious gift, like the fortunate early diagnosis of a deadly cancer. I read this really interesting illustration. In our family carpet cleaning business, we offered a special service for removing pet stains. To show potential customers their need for the service, I would darken the room and then turn on a powerful ultraviolet light. The UV light caused urine crystals to glow brightly. To the horror of the homeowner, every drop and dribble could be seen, not only on the carpet, but usually on walls and drapes and even on furniture. One homeowner begged me to shut off the light. I can't bear to see anymore. I don't care what it costs. Please clean it up. Another woman said, I'll never be comfortable in my home again. The offence was there all the time, but it wasn't visible until the light, the right light exposed it. It would have been cruel to show customers the extent of their problem and then say, too bad for you, and walk away. I brought the light so that I might desperately want my cleaning services. <laughs> in the same way, God shines the light of his commandments not just to make us feel guilty and leave us that way. He has a cleaning service to offer, salvation through Jesus Christ. <coughs> People fear the light of God. They don't necessarily understand why they feel uncomfortable about the idea of a holy God, but they do. Many people just want to avoid talking or thinking about the meaning of life or why am I here and what about suffering and so on. They find it unsettling. When I was training as a nurse many years ago, during one of the lectures, the subject of death came up. And one girl was quite disturbed by this and just said, 
I just don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about things like that. It's too, too distressing. And as a naive 17-year-old who's brought up with the, with the security of faith in Jesus and the assurance of heaven, I was surprised by her protests and distress. These days I understand better, but I can still only imagine what it must be like to face death without that security and that assurance. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And it's true, isn't it? That uh, people may not understand all the, their feelings about it, but they just have that scaredness. <laughs> When you, if you mention God or anything like that, the barriers go up. They just feel uncomfortable. And as Christians, we too can get sucked into the lie that it's better to avoid letting the light in, forgetting that we're cleansed by grace and Jesus only wants to help us. In First John it says, We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I sometimes try to avoid and ignore that beam of light shining into my life. My pride says, I can do all that on my own or maybe later I'll look at that. But I've found it's much more effective to actually allow his light in to show me my fault to be humble and admit I can't fix it myself and listen to and follow his advice. Okay, fourthly, we have, we've had a couple of uh, prophetic words recently at Living Word about Living Word being a lighthouse. And a lighthouse is a house for a light. <laughs> Jesus is the light and we're the house for that light. Jesus said... You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Like the lamp on the stand, a lighthouse is tall so that the light can be clearly seen from a long way, it's great distance. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. When he says that, he isn't meaning that you're an alternative to his light. It means that we're a house for his light to shine out through us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even the tiniest light can't be distinguished, extinguished by darkness. And this gives me great encouragement. We may not be the biggest church around, but we are a light in the darkness, and the devil can't extinguish the light of Jesus shining through us. He'll try, but as long as we're plugged into the real light, the light of Jesus will shine. Think about what happens when we have a power outage on a dark and stormy evening. Suddenly our house is cut off from the power source. Everything goes black. We can't see. We might stumble around for a minute till we can turn on the torch on our phone where we've previously stored some power. If you're like me, you light a candle or two. It's a good opportunity to use some of those scented candles that people give you. <laughs> and it saves all the phone battery for later. Even one candle can make a difference. And the candle has a source of power. Where does candle wax come from? Apparently, candles these days are made from coconut wax and canola and beeswax and all sorts of interesting things. And where does that wax get its energy? If you think about it, the sun is the original source. Our little light has its source in the infinite, all-powerful light of the world. We're concerned that our, light is, our world is getting darker, further and further from our Christian heritage. But it's in the dark that our light will shine. A candle in a bright room isn't particularly significant or easy to notice, but a candle in the darkness shines like a lighthouse and offers a source of guidance. It was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to be a witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Still today, the world doesn't recognise him. However, the same but still applies. Since John first wrote this, there's always been and always will be those who believe in the true light and become children of God. Just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes and imagine that you're blind. Now let's complete a few basic tasks, like separating medications. Or using the right button on the microwave. <laughs> or knowing which side of the street to catch the bus. Think of all the questions you might have because you can't see. There's a new non-profit app out there that allows sighted people to lend, lend their eyes to those with visual impairments through video chat. Simply put, it's remarkable. The Be My Eyes app was developed by a visually impaired man in Denmark 
It connects blind people to sighted volunteers. The volunteer can answer questions because they can see the blind person's surroundings using their cameras, the camera on their phone. The other day, Be My Eyes app user connected with a young man who wanted to know the expiration date on the milk in his refrigerator. The visually impaired man positioned his phone's camera to the top shelf, looking at the image of the milk. And the app user said, I wouldn't drink that if I were you. (laughs) Jesus calls us to be the light of the world to people who are lost in spiritual darkness. People are spiritually blind and need our help to be able to see. Paul tells us, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Our light should shine out so that others can enter his marvellous light. So in summary, what does natural light do? It's the source of life. It's a source of energy. It allows us to see things. And it shows up faults and flaws. Things often look fine until we get them out in the bright, good light. <laughs> I find that with my jumper sometimes, my top. You put it on, it looks fine in the bedroom, and you get out and it's a bright light. And you think, oh my goodness, <laughs> there's a mark on there. Uh, and what does our majestic, radiant God do? Who is light do? He is the source of abundant life. Everything good we are and every good thing we have comes from him. Love, joy, peace, forgiveness, grace, our families, our homes, our talents, personalities. He is the source of power. His power holds our universe together. The Holy Spirit also gives us the strength and power to follow him and be his witness. He convicts us of our faults and flaws so that we can acknowledge them, receive his forgiveness and allow him to deal with them. He's the source of all wisdom and knowledge. He guides us. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We see our life and the world in his light. The good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly look different in his light. Without his light, we can become overwhelmed by the darkness. But when you know him and trust him, we don't need to be. He shines his light through us to the world around. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, God who is light and life, Thank you for bringing us out of the darkness and into your glorious light. Help us to let your light shine into and through our lives so that others will come to know your glorious light too. Amen.